my podcast family and welcome to caregiving is a ministry where we look at the word of god through the lens of caregiving don't forget to follow me on facebook at caregiving is a ministry all one word we are on grief and today our scripture comes from the second chapter of no the second book of samuel excuse me the 12th chapter and the 20th verse and i'm reading from the new american standard Bible and it reads so David got up from the ground washed anointed himself and changed his clothes and then he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped then he went to his own house and when he asked they served him food and he ate today we're going to talk about when the will of God isn't what you desired isn't what you desired or what you prayed for. Just to give you a little background on this story of David, we know that David is has been described as a man after God's own heart. He was anointed by God at an early age and then went and apprenticed, I guess you could say, <laughs> under King Saul and then Saul turned on him and pursued him, trying to kill him and then eventually David took the throne. And when he took the throne, he was a mighty warrior, a good leader, until one time, and I believe this is how the scripture starts off, during the times when kings are out at war, David was at home, and he saw Bathsheba, and he lusted after her, and he sent for her, he raped her, and then he sent her back home, she told him she was pregnant, he sent for her husband, told her husband to go home spend some time with his wife that was Uriah Uriah didn't do that and so there was no way for him to cover up what he did so then he had Uriah killed well this scripture in um, 2nd Samuel the uh, 20th verse of the 12th chapter we have David on his knees going before God pleading for the life of that child that Bathsheba is carrying because of course he wants his child to live But that's not what God did. He wanted God to spare the child, but God did not. And what this scripture shows us is how we are to act as believers and behave once we recognize that God has spoken. Notice that after David um, confirmed that the child was dead, which comes in the um, next scripture, he didn't fall out and cry. He didn't lose control. He had been doing that probably prior to that, you know, going to God, speaking to God, pleading with God, asking God to spare the life of his child. So when he got the recognition that God had spoken and that the child was dead, he had two choices that he could have made. And it's the same choices that we have today that we make, that we can make when we recognize that God has spoken and it isn't what we have asked him for. We can either accept it and move on, or we can get angry and stay stagnant. So we're going to concentrate on the latter first. I will say that getting angry with God is not the big deal that some may think. You know, I don't know if you grew up with the school of thought of where you where you've learned or taught. You were taught that you can't you can't question God. You you can't get angry with God. 
Well, first of all, God knows us. You were no surprise to him. I'm no surprise to him. And so getting angry with him isn't going to take him by surprise. Remember Job? (laughs) Job kind of not really lost his temper, but started questioning God. And God was like, oh, were were you there when I formed the universe? God has a way of kind of putting us back in our place. You know, when he, the rod of correction that we recite in um, Psalms 23, that's when he kind of taps us back in line. Secondly, we really only get angry with individuals with whom we have a relationship with. Folks who we don't know and don't engage with, you know, we really don't care what they think. Their attitudes have no bearing on our lives, per se. But those who are close to us, they know what buttons to push push, and they can get under our skin. So since you and I are in a relationship with God, right, chances are, He is going to do something that will, as Deborah used to say, catch your timing wrong, (laughs) and therefore you'll get a little upset. Because if you're like me, I tried to put God in this box of how I thought he was going to operate. And the reality was he was never in the box because he doesn't fit. I just thought he was there. And so when I realized that that's not where he was and he was doing his quote unquote own thing, I, I I was taken surprised and a little upset because I thought we had agreed on some things. And he was like, no, my sweetie, we, we did not. Because you're in a relationship with him, you can go to him and you can tell him that you're angry. <laughs> and why? And allow the discussion to flow as it did with Job. Don't be surprised, though, if um, he, his answer and his response to you is to just move on and let it go. Right? You may not get the closure, the full dissertation of, well, I did this because such and such and this and that and this is how it plays out. God owes us no obligation. It's interesting to me when he does answer and I'm asking him about certain things. And to be honest, most times he does. But then there are times where he's just like, you just need to go ahead and go on. And I'll give you, a, uh, I'll give you an example. And so the example is... I recognized, I want to say back in 2014, yes, I was still stationed in Hawaii. Mama was living with me. She had already had the uh, diagnosis of Alzheimer's. So I recognized that I needed to go to seminary. I like teaching the Word of God. I like engaging in Bible study. And I had been teaching several Bible studies, children Bible studies. And in Hawaii, I got to teach an adult Bible study. And I loved it. I loved dissecting the word of God and making it applicable. And he revealed to me that I needed to go to seminary. Now, seminary was something that I thought was just for preachers. And normally when I tell people that I'm going to seminary, they ask me, oh, you're going to be a preacher? You're going to have a church? Seminary is for anybody who wants to just follow the will of God. Missionaries go to seminary. Business people go to seminary. People who want to major or or be used in education go to seminary. It is not just for people who are preachers and evangelists. Um, And so I had narrowed it down to going to Fuller Theological Seminary. And its main campus is in Pasadena, California, but it has several other campuses. And so I had my little spreadsheet together and all of my criteria, and I had Fuller on the list, but I I researched other um, seminaries and, and, and divinity schools and whatnot. 
even though I knew in my heart I was supposed to go to Fuller, it's like I still needed to play it out, right? And God allowed me to do that. So once I figured out and agreed that Fuller was the place I needed to go, I then had to decide which campus I wanted to go to. And once again, I had my other criteria of what I wanted. And their campus in Colorado is the one that leaped off the page and I was like I've never been to Colorado Colorado seems nice I get a winter there it's pretty and blah 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 blah. it checks off everything and I remember being so excited I was like well Lord we're going to Fuller and I'm gonna relocate to Colorado and I remember I heard the Holy Spirit say can you get a doctorate degree there because I want to have a doctorate in theology I have to get a master's in theology and then pursue my doctorate in theology. My master's is in public um, administration. doesn't translate. <laughs> so, and, and I heard that, can you get a doctorate there? And immediately I just, it's like I gave the Holy Spirit the hand. Like, don't, don't talk to me because if you're questioning me, then that means there's something wrong with this logic. And so I went on about my business, but I kept hearing the Holy Spirit saying, can you get a doctorate degree there? Can you? And so finally I broke down and I called Fuller and talked to uh, an admissions person and began to tell her what I wanted. And she informed me that this was probably 2017, I want to say, 2016, 2017. And she said, oh, we're closing a lot of our um, outlying campuses because people want to pursue online degrees and Colorado is one of them. In the year, I think she said 2020, she said we will no longer have a campus there. She said, but you said, dated that you wanted a doctorate degree, correct? And I said, yes. She said, for doctoral degrees, you need to be at the main campus in Pasadena. I said, okay. I said, it won't be a while. It'll be a while because I have to finish my commitment to the military and, you know, mom and all that other kind of stuff. So I knew I wasn't going to go right away. So I hung up the phone. I was at work. And I remember walking around the building because I was upset, disappointed, hurt, a little angry. I was like, Lord, I thought we had it to where we were going to Colorado. I had listed all this stuff for Colorado. And da 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 da. And I clearly heard him say, You can go there for vacation. Wasn't that like a little slap on the bottom? <laughs> You're going to Pasadena. You can go to Col- you can visit Colorado on vacation. Get in line. And it caught me off guard, but then it kind of made me laugh a little bit. I was just like, okay, I guess we're going to Pasadena. So that was his response to me. Basically, get in line. You're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do. The issue is when we allow our anger to fester. So me having that dialogue with the Lord, like I told you, I was a little upset, put out. I immediately went to him. (laughs) He engaged in a dialogue with me, kind of told me keep moving and then I can move on but when you allow your anger to fester when you don't go to God when you don't go to God and you clam up or you try to ignore him attempting to move on without him you're never dealing with your anger and trust me it will hinder you from truly moving on which is perhaps why the apostle Paul urged the church in Ephesus not to allow the sun to go down when they were angry I'm sure you are aware, are aware of that verse. He said it because it hinders you from moving forward. And the enemy would like you to think that you have moved forward all the while allowing your 
anger to percolate. You're moving forward, but you're carrying that weight, and you and you really aren't going very far. David didn't get angry. What he did was accepted God's will. He accepted it. It's not as if we can really change anything, right? David really couldn't change anything. The child had died. God had spoken, period. So David got up, literally but figuratively, meaning that he had been down at a low place, a place of sorrow, burden. But now that God has spoken, he accepted it, and he left his place of sorrow and burden and got cleaned up and went about his day. The word of God says that he washed and anointed himself. And anointed is just another translation for putting on lotion. See, you men out there, you can put on lotion. Women don't want men who are ashy. Okay, that's just a side note, sorry. (laughs) But he put on clean clothes. And then he set about for his body to be nourished. All of this is an attest to what he hadn't been doing prior. He hadn't been bathing, probably hadn't been sleeping, and hadn't been eating. But now, with the revelation of what God had done, he knew that it was a new day. And he needed to recognize that and move on. With the death of a loved one, we, when you've prayed for the Lord to remove the disease, as I had with my mother, and he doesn't, Our response as mature Christians, and notice I say mature Christians, mature children of God, is to accept it and then move on with life. When mama was diagnosed with her disease, I had many Christians telling me, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight, which is true. That all you needed was the faith of a mustard seed and you can move mountains, which is true. And so by faith, I was declaring and decreeing that the disease did not have a hold of her, that she walked in complete, you know, health freedom, so to speak, for a number of years. And of course, the enemy is beating me up going, well, why isn't she disease free? You, you have faith, right? It doesn't seem to be working. But because I maintained a relationship with God and would go to him and, and would keep myself in his word and prayed up and, and believing, I finally got a little upset and went to him and asked, well, why isn't this working? <laughs> I have faith. I have prayed over her. What is going on? And he just revealed to me that out of her disease, he was getting glory. That he was being honored through her disease. And he brought to my memory the people who would come before me and talk about her and I being together and how I took care of her and how it was an inspiration. And I could tell them that it was nothing but him. And I could recognize, oh, yeah, he is getting glory for that. And I had peace about that. So I knew that she was going to have her disease. I knew it. And I just accepted it. And then asked him to continue to equip me so that I could take care of her and that she would be okay. When, when we all need to remember that God has a plan for us. 
they, and, and that you and I are a part of a larger plan. Not only does he have a plan for you and me, but our plans can be interconnected and that our loved ones are a part of that plan as well. When God's plan calls for them to come home, we, we are to accept it, to celebrate their life, and then seek guidance in how we are to continue on with ours. It will not be easy if the calling of your loved one is not something that is expected. So far in my life, all of my relatives have died as a result of an illness. So you could say it's somewhat anticipated that they would be going home. I haven't received the phone call, you know, in the middle of the night that informs me that someone has died. But I'm sure many of you have. Yet, I want you to know this scripture is still appropriate. After you go to God and demand why, which you can because you have a relationship and you are not catching him by surprise. You had no idea that your loved one would, would be, you know, going home so soon. And when he answers you in his way, understanding that that answer could just be a non-answer, God's expectation of you is to still accept his will and continue with your life. Trust is a willful, willful act of our allowing ourselves to be vulnerable to someone else. At least that's my definition of it. Giving them our faith and allegiance is being vulnerable to someone. That's what God asks of us, each of us. Each day is to be vulnerable enough to place our faith and allegiance in him. I believe that Dr. Charles Stanley says something um, like this. Um, be obedient to God and leave all the consequences to him. Something to that extent. We are to do what God asks. We go to him, we ask for guidance, but when he has spoken, we are to be obedient to what he has done and then allow the consequences of our, our obedience to him. Allow him to take care of those. There will be consequences when you choose to obey God. People won't understand how you can continue to put a smile on your face after, you know, some tragedy that has occurred in your life. God will sort that out. Sort that out. You just make sure that after he has spoken, after he has given you an explanation, after he has displayed his will to you, that you accept it and you move on. And in accepting it, you accept it with a good attitude, not complaining, with a good attitude, with that trust, that vulnerability of knowing that God will work everything out for you. So today, as we look upon this scripture, we recognize sometimes God is going to do something that is not what we asked for. But because we are mature children, we can accept it and we can move on. Amen. Amen. Holy God, we thank you this day for allowing us to dissect your word in such a way that reveals to us that having a relationship with you is so worthwhile because we can engage in dialogue with you, that we can come to you with all of our emotions 
including anger, that we can come to you and ask why, demand why at times, and that in your infinite wisdom, you will provide us with answers. And sometimes the answer is, I'm not going to provide you with one, you just have to trust me. Help us when we receive those types of answers for you, Father, from you, Father, that we can accept it and that we move on. We do not want to be stagnant. We do not want to carry the weight of anger around with us. So we release it to you this day, whatever it could be, someone who may have offended us, a loved one, the loved one that we're taking care of who may be unappreciative, who say, who have said, who has said harsh words to us. We release it to you. And we allow you to take care of all of the consequences in our lives as a result of our placing our trust and our faith in you. We want to be obedient to your word and we want to be mature children. Help us to follow you and to accept your will. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now go and have a conversation with your father. If you have anger in your heart, go ahead and release it to him. And then do as David did. Get up, wash your face, put some clean clothes on, a little bit of lotion, maybe some perfume, eat, and live your life. Now go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.